And now it's time for We Are Just Christians, live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Schmidt and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Good morning and, and welcome. We are just Christians. Christians. We, really we really appreciate you tuning in to the show today. today. Hope you stay, stay with, with us for the next, for the next hour, hour or so, so beyond, beyond the 10 o'clock time. time. Taking, taking your calls, your calls comments, comments, questions, questions whatever on your mind. We are just, just Christians to show, show up about spiritual things. And, and of course, it's based, it's based on the Bible, but you don't have to be a Christian to listen or to call into the show. Uh, we don't mind that at all. We'll be glad to talk to you about whatever is on your mind, both of a general cultural uh, na- nature or personal, whatever you have, or maybe you have a question about the Bible or something you've heard or maybe something that's happened to you makes you wonder about God or Christianity or Christians, and we'd be glad to talk with you about that. We want to hear what you have to say. So you can reach us, as I mentioned, it's a live call-in show, and you can reach us here in Port St. Lucie at 772-340-1590. 772 is the call-in number. We'll put you there at the front of the line. Now, now what we say it every week, but I do want you to, in case we have new listeners, I do want you to know that we're not here to antagonize or put you on the spot. We want to hear your comment or question. We'll give you a chance to talk. We'll respond. We'll try to give you some scripture, Bible verses, or some, some insight into what the Bible says about your subject, and you can then go from there yourself. And we'll give you the last word. We're not here to trick anybody or anything like that. So you can call us anytime you feel like at 772-340-1590. You can also reach us by text numbers. Well, you know, as you heard at the beginning, my name is Mike Schmidt. I'm one of the hosts of this show, the preacher. I'm one of the elders here at the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard. And as usual, Gary Jones, the other elders here. How you doing, Gary? I'm doing fine this morning, Mike. We're, all, we're both here and ready to have a conversation with each other or you, depending on how things go. So you can reach us by text message also. So if you would like to do that, at, you can reach Mike at 772-260-6120. 772-260-6120 is my number. And then Gary's number is very similar, 772 772- Two six zero six two two zero seven seven two two six zero six two two zero. See, his number. You can text us not only during the show, and we'll try to react to your text or respond to your text if at all possible on the air, or you can text us any time during the week. That's not a problem either, and we can respond to that. We, we'd love to have your comments or questions. If you got an idea for something you'd like to hear discussed on the show, or some idea that you'd like to hear something about give us a give us a text shoot us a text or give us a call during the show we'll be glad to glad to do that anytime you can even if it's something you don't answer it on the air just text us yeah te- we'll, we'll we'd be answer. glad to talk with you about anything that's yeah. on your mind all right well we have a caller are you there ken yeah mike i'm here what's on your mind i want to talk about name change name change yeah, particularly when God changes your name. What's the significance of that? And uh, and uh, if you want to talk about the difference between God changing your name and you changing your name. Okay. Got Abraham in mind? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading about that this week, actually. I didn't know that you were going to call about that or anything. 
What, what do you what's, what do you think about it, Ken? By the way, let me just say this before you start. I mean, let me say this before you start. This is a very I may sound like an odd topic to people, but and I don't know what Ken has in mind here, but but it's a very important topic because names and nomenclature, what we call things, is the whole basis of human understanding of the world. There could be no understanding. There could be no science, if you will, without names and nomenclature and taxonomy, labeling things and classifying things. And so names are extremely important, what we call things. That's what's so troubling to me about all the idea of I don't know what a woman is stuff because it's a it's a change. Now, we haven't even got to Ken yet, and Gary's got a comment. So, Well, basically, I just wanted to say that name changes and naming in the Bible as far as the name of a person seems to have a lot more importance than we take today. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. And so – Paying attention to scripture and names is is different than what we see today in our society. I yeah, think we just we, make up we, a name of any right, kind. Right. Anyway. I think we've lost a lot, but anyway, that's that's just my view. Okay, uh, Ken, what's on your mind then about this? Okay, yeah, I want to talk about Abraham, Abram, and Sarai, and uh, uh, I'll let you talk about. Uh, why God changed their name. And, but I'm going to get in a little bit into the actual change in the Hebrew and the significance of that. Okay. Um, what what were you going to say about Ab- Abraham and Sarah or Abram? Okay. A- Abram had his name changed to Abraham. And Sarah, <coughs> to Sarah. I mean, Sarah. Sarah to Sarah. Yeah. Um, the change indicates a change in the relationship between them and God. I think that's in general. Um, okay. It also indicates a change in them. As far as um, you know, um, how God looks at them and, and their relationship with God, it, it seemed like uh, I even touch on my favorite topic. When you get married, your wife takes your husband's name, so it's you know like a marriage relationship there. Okay, in the Hebrew, this, this is kind of interesting. In the Hebrew, all God did was let, add the letter Hey to their name. It changed Abraham's name, Abram's name of exalted father to father of many nations. And Sarai. Sarah, which means princess. So, um, what what happened right after that? What, 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 what happened to them? What significant thing happened to them after you changed their name? Considering their age now. 
Well, that's that is Isaac has been born. The heir has been born. Or yeah, yeah, we both had a child in their old age. Right. And so God is beginning to actually fulfill the promise He made to Abraham that He'd be the father of many nations. And so now I I don't know all that's been uh, there's some been so much said about this over the centuries it's hard to know where to even begin um but abram just means exalted father well i mean when you hear the aramaic abba father uh the ab part that's like that's like daddy abba is it's a it's a close word but Ab means father, and so a- Abram means exalted father. And then Abraham means uh, father of a multitude, from what, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, so therefore, uh, he changed it from just being a father to the father of a multitude. A whole whole and which is what his which he's what he is it 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 signified the fact that God was going to fulfill this promise that he had made to him uh to be the father of many nations and so chief of a multitude or father of a multitude here he is with no children and God changes his name to the father of a multitude it seems like an odd thing to do. You know, I, I have a favorite uncle of my mother's brothers who had no children. And my brothers, his nephews, were kind of like his children in many ways until he died. And, and his, of course, his wife had no children. And uh, to call him some name indicates he's the father of a multitude would be an odd thing. Unless you believe that God was actually going to do that. And Abraham took the name and lived by that name. And people must have, the people around, my view, Ken, is the people around Abraham, when he began to call himself Abraham, they must have really thought this guy was a little bit off. Here he has no children, and, and he's calling himself the father of a multitude. Because like you say, back then, names, they didn't just make up names like Katanji or something. Names had, and that may mean something in some language I don't know anything about, but uh, they didn't just make up names because they liked the way they sounded. They, the names usually had some meaning to them, not unlike uh, Native American Indian names. You know, they were odd to settlers because they had some name, and the English settlers had their names had meaning too, but they had forgotten them. Like my name Schmidt means Smith in English, and so somebody back there in my family was a blacksmith or a coppersmith, a smith of some kind. And so, but you know, nobody in my family ever thought about that very much because the generations had passed. We just had a name, but that's not the way, like you mentioned, or Gary mentioned, that's not the way it used to be. So then Sarai, she's not just a princess, uh, which could be a title. It's a, it's considered princess or Sar- Sarai was, is kind of like one of these, almost like a nickname. Uh, it, it's. Oh, it's what you'd call a kid, a princess. You know, you name your dog princess or a horse princess, that kind of thing. It's a special little person. But when she changed it, when she changed it to Sarah, Sarah means noble woman, an exalted woman. Why is she an exalted woman? Well, because she's married to the father of a multitude. So he changes her whole stature in life by the name that he gives him. 
Is this where you're going with this, Ken, or is this off the track of what you're thinking? No, that's that's basically that's basically correct. But I'm going to go a little further here with the okay. Heat. Okay, so um, yeah, you, you've watched Fiddler on the Roof, right? Yes, it's my favorite musical of sorts. Well, besides Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> okay. uh, Fiddler on the Roof is my they favorite. Have, oh, go ahead. They have, they have the phrase Lakayam. Uh huh. Which means to life. And uh, I'm going to get into that word a little bit, but I want to go a little bit uh, something else first. Okay. In Hebrew, every letter has a number associated with it, and it has a name associated with it. Every letter. So, like that is uh, in the, when, you, when they say that, the first thing you think of is Bethel. I mean, house. Right. Bethel is house right. of God. House, well, house hey, of Jehovah. Hey is associated with life. And the number of the letter hey is a five, which is so which is associated with grace. With what? So the symbology here in the Hebrew is God is adding life and grace to your name. Grace. I'm sorry, that's the word I missed. When he changed it and uses the Hebrew letter hey, sort of like our H. Oh, yeah, the hay is like our age, yeah. Okay. Now, the interesting thing here, too, is lakayim is, uh, means to life, and a yad and a hay is also means to life. Lakayim is spelled with a Jewish L, and then a yad, and by the way, the yad is the jot in the jot and tittle. Right. The small. Okay. Yeah. It's like a Y, but it's a, it's a, it's the smallest Hebrew letter. And I can tell you what the tittle is if you want to mean. Um, so, Lachayim is spelled with a L, then a, and then a Y. And then, instead of a hay, they use a het, which is a ch. Sometimes you'll see it written with ch, like a Hanukkah is sometimes with a ch. Uh-huh. Okay? Okay, so that leads to life. But also, the yad and the hay means to life. So why are they, why are they changing it? Why don't they say it with a yad in the head? If you've seen the little pendant that they wear, it's a yad. I think I have, yes. Uh-huh. a chat and a head. And there's very similarity in the Hebrew between what, how the head looks and how the hay looks. So you can, when you glance at the symbol, you can barely, you can't tell the difference right away unless you look close. So, 
Why would they not use the hey? Instead, they use the check. It's because they don't want to mispronounce the name of God. Because the yad and the hey is I am. Mm-hmm. It's the the uh, Yahweh. I mean, p- part of the name Yahweh or Jehovah in, in many English Bibles. Well, Ken, I want to I want to go back just a little bit. Don't lo- don't lose your place here because okay. uh, you may have mentioned this some other time, but I I don't recall this. My my first thought about what you're saying, and, and uh, don't take this as a challenge because it's not it's more curiosity is what what's your source when you say uh all the letters hebrew letters have numbers associated with them i I don't i don't know if i'm finding i can't recall any place i would find this in the scripture or or is how far back does this go because i i just know that a lot of jewish writing in the intervening century well even before christ but especially since the time of christ is caught up in a lot of mysticism and kabbalism and so forth and that i had that i personally have a lot don't have a lot of confidence in so and i you you know that i've probably said this before that i'm i'm a little skeptical of gematria which is what this is i mean i think it may have it has a place some places in the bible but the wide a widespread application of gematria to all scripture, like in the book, uh, what's it called? Not Bible Numbers. It's uh, uh, there's a book out there. Oh, I, I haven't I haven't really other other than what I said the other than what I said about these particular letters representing particular numbers. I haven't done the gematria as far as what they add up to. Okay, all right. Well, I, I just don't know. Uh, I'm just trying to say how uh, much confidence should I place in the idea that we can take Hebrew letters, get numbers, and then make a calculation or and then, conclusion and then based pos- on that. Possibly go back to letters again. Yeah, yeah. That that that's all I'm asking, and I, I'm not saying this in a challenging or debating way. I, I'm just trying to figure out where where in history does this pop up? What are the sources of it? Uh, how how much should a person who takes the Bible very very strictly, much confidence should they put in this? That's what I'm asking, and I think you you probably uh, have the same question uh, from what I hear from you. But I, that that's what makes me wonder. So I don't doubt though at all that Hebrew names. In in the Bible, most of them are not accidental, especially many of them, like Abraham and Sarah, Jesus, or Jacob the and prophets Israel. and Jacob and Israel. All those names have meanings that actually fit the character of the people that are involved, even though the names were often given when they were born or before they were born. This is part of God's providence, and it's how things work. So I, I don't doubt that the names and the letters are have have significance. When you transfer that now to numbers and try to make a calculation, um, I haven't been convinced yet of the reliability of that, but I could be convinced. Um, I just have to see 
you know, where it's coming from. So in this, then you're saying they what 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 is your point again about they wouldn't change it to certain letters because it would represent I am which which name was that? I'm a little unclear again. Okay, so as far as making that statement. That's what I, I, I was I was questioning myself. Why would they make a difference there? Between Sarah and... That was the only conclusion I came to. Between Abram and Abraham, is that what you mean? No, no. Make what between, difference? I'm, I'm talking only about the, the, the symbol they use for two life. Okay, gotcha. I see. All right. That, that was I, my next. Okay. I thought maybe you were talking and that and that's because they don't want to say part of the name of Yahweh. Yeah, that's because they're that. afraid of breaking one of the commandments. And, and that's a very strict thing among Orthodox Jews. Is not, you know, I, I read writings from I think even Jeff Jacoby, the Boston Globe. Not Jeff, is it Jeff Jacoby? No, maybe Prager, what Dennis Prager, somebody that they they won't even put the word spell out the word God in English. They put G dash D. Some of the some of the Jewish writers do because they don't want to be using God's name in vain. I I think that's probably not what God meant by that. That you can't ever use His name at all. But I I don't you know it, to to not use it in vain. It doesn't say not use it. It says don't use it in vain. Now maybe they're afraid of using it in vain. I think that's been the general gist of it. But you're right. There is a great deal of care taken by Orthodox uh, practicing Jews about anything associated with the name of God, both in English and Hebrew, for sure. And I can res- I, I personally can respect that. I, I'm careful uh, in my own way, maybe not like that, but I'm certainly careful in my own way about the use of God's name. And it can be very disturbing to hear others it, not it, have that. I'd, I'd rather hear this <clears throat> use a swear word, use a profane word than the, well, profane is the same thing. Use a vulgar word than I would hear use God's name in vain. My, my granddaughters, and I don't blame them for it because they're kids, but they watch YouTube and I'm sitting in the living room reading or something or watching you. And there's a couple of YouTubers that they watch play these games. And this one kid, I, I told him the other day, I said, girls, so that young man right there, he may be a nice person, but he's going to have a lot to answer for in the day of judgment because he uses God's name in vain. In a 15-minute YouTube, he probably says, oh, my God, a hundred times about everything that happens. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, he said. And, and I, I just I told him, I said, this is not the proper way to use God's name in any way, shape, or form. It's very disturbing to me. And maybe I'm ultra-sensitive but uh, I can certainly understand this. A- and the reason is names have meaning. I, I agree with you 100 percent, Ken. Na- names yes. have meaning, especially in the Bible. And this is where sometimes some English translations help you to understand the way that the names are being used in the text, the play on words and so forth. And some translations hinder you from seeing these kind of things. They, they don't really... They don't really spell this out for you. I like the old 1901 American Standard Translation for that reason. Is it? It's much more literal in translating these names 
so you see what they mean and how they're being used oftentimes, and some of the other versions do not. I, I, I like a Bible that instead of the word Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital E, that has the word Jehovah there, or even Yahweh, but most of them have Jehovah. I like that because it's closer to what's being said in the Hebrew, because the names are important. Now, what else you want to say about this? I know we're off the track with you, Kim. Okay, so when I when, when I mentioned uh, uh, what I had represents five, and uh-huh. what I yad represents ten, I'm basically getting that out of the book Number in Scripture by E. W. Bullinger. By Bullinger? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bullinger is a very respected and, scholar. And, yes. Yeah. And the name of his book is Number in Scripture is Supernatural Design and Spiritual Significance. Yeah, I don't know if I, I I meant to give you a copy of this book. I don't know if I did or not. Did I? I don't think so. Um, okay. Well, I'll give you I'll have to, Okay. Uh, I've I've definitely read Bullinger, especially some years ago. He is good with metaphors and understanding the figurative use of words. I don't I haven't read this book to evaluate it yet, but I'll have to. I'm just. <clears throat> is it still in print? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll have to look into that book. Okay. So um, so let's go into the. The is 15, and that number is associated with resurrection or new life. Now we got bingo. <laughs> Abraham, Abram, now Abraham, new life. Sarah, Sarah, new life. Okay. They were some. There, he was going to make them new. Now they have a different life than they've had before. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I, I think you know, that's interesting. You, you know what the incident where uh, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he says something strange to Nicodemus. He's talking about being born again. And John 3. You being a teacher of Israel, how can you not know about this? Um, why does he say what, that? All right. Why, yeah. Why does he say that? Well, I just told you. He gave Abraham a new life. Let me change the name. I'll have to look into that. How can these things be? Unless you're born of the Spirit. So you're saying that when he's referencing born of the what is born of flesh is flesh, born of the spirit is spirit, that he was actually referring to the uh, Isaac being born. I'm speculating. You're speculating that he is actually making a veiled reference to the fact that that Isaac was born, so to speak, not of the flesh, but of the spirit. Yeah. Whereas 
uh, Ishmael was born of the flesh. I'm sorry, repeat that last statement, Ken. I I couldn't catch it. You could also make a case for Passover in the Exodus. Okay. So that God that God brought them out with his own mighty hand, it wasn't their doing, is that the idea? So that new life they had as a new nation being born was from God? Yeah. Yeah. I see we see this over all, all over the place. Uh in we see this all over the place in the Bible. I think you're you're correct about that metaphor. <clears throat> and and I guess I've always thought about this um, when I read. And I don't have. I don't, I admit I don't have a strong, solid explanation for exactly what Jesus means when he says, "Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things?" I think the, obviously Jesus is saying this is something that you ought to have known by what you've learned yeah. from the law of Moses, from the Old Testament, mm-hmm. as we would put it. This is not something that's brand new that I'm teaching, right? And yeah. so he says, yeah. he's saying something that, uh, he's, he's saying something that uh, is something that he should have understood. And then, then I think he even references in verse 13, going on, just a couple verses down from this verse, I think he even references Jacob's ladder of the angels coming back and forth from heaven. And then he references the serpent of Moses being lifted up in the wilderness. Now, you can connect a whole series of, and then you have verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So this is a marvelous context, but I think he's, he, so from what you're saying, one way to look at this chapter might be this part of the chapter is look and say, what is he giving as evidence of being born again or of new life or life coming from the dead? And, yeah. that, and that these are some of the instances. Gary, what were you going to say there? I was going to ask you, are there any parallels in Jacob and Israel in that name change? There, there, there are two name changes uh, that we I see in the, the Hebrew for that yet. Uh, so, but. It's certainly in the general sense that we've been talking about, there's certainly a similarity. Now, because uh, Jacob was a planter, and now he's uh, Israel, he's prince. I think that I think that uh, Israel means yeah, prince. It means striving with God. I think that there is a big change in in Jacob when he when he wrestles with God there. In the wilderness, and I think the change had occurred partly over a period of years because he had come to believe the promise of God that he ought to return back home, that that he that he was the heir, and that he he had changed his nature from one who was striving to be the supplanter, going to take everybody's place, striving to be in control, and now he realizes God is doing these things. And he changes his nature. And he's even trying to be nice to Esau. I don't think that's just trying to save his own skin, although it may be, but it's possible. But I think he's really there trying to uh, say, I've changed. I'm no longer the man that I was. And part of the, part of that experience was the ladder on his way out of there. He, he dreams, you know of this ladder going back and forth to heaven, seeing the angels of God going up and down, the connection to the to the heavenly vision, the heavenly promise. 
God changes his name that night to one who is striving with God. So it's, I've always taken it, Ken, and I'm no Hebrew expert. I'm not even a biologist. But I've, <laughs> I've always taken it to be that um, at one point in his life, he was striving with God in the sense of striving with God and wrestling with him in a, in a combative way. Now he's striving with God, trying to do the right thing trying to do what God wants him to do. That's a striving too. I see. I, that's the change that I see in this man, Jacob. Gary, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was thinking, and, and this is, <clears throat> excuse me. This is not necessarily in opposition to what you say, Mike, but basically I had seen this as Jacob now realizing that this inheritance that he's supposed to get is not just a physical one, but it's a spiritual one. That's it's, the same thing I'm saying. Yeah. That's another way of saying it. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's seeing this framed in a different context now. This is not, I'm going back to take over everything physically. He's an heir of by faith. He's, he's an, an heir by faith, just as Abraham by faith moved. It, right. So he, he's seeing a change in him, which I think is a change that's supposed to be in all of us. I, I, I'm Basically, once we accept Jesus and his words and obey him, that change is supposed to take place in us, too. Right. Uh, so that's that's kind of how I'm seeing it. Yes, that's correct. Well, Ken, I want to wrap this up because we have another call on the on the line. I'm, I know you probably have more to say. Okay. But you can call back to the time. Tell, tell me what you want to conclude here today. And we'll come back to this. Okay. Uh, uh, when I get to when I get there this morning, I'll tell you what I'm thinking. I'm changing my name to. Oh, you're going to get a new name yourself, huh? Yeah, uh, I'm thinking okay. about it. <laughs> All right, uh, that's cool. All right, there you good. Uh, I I do. Um, I got. I think the name I was looking for. John texted in that the problem with this with the Bible code stuff is that manuscripts did vary because scribes wrote them. And you can see some variation. And that is a problem. Doesn't mean we can't arrive at what it probably was and make sense of it, I suppose. That's the that's the, the book I was thinking of, Bible Code. And so, therefore, uh, I have always had some skepticism about how, how much to apply that. How, whenever you're dealing with stuff that's not explicitly stated in the text, I, I'm of the, I'm of the opinion that you should be cautious in applying that as sternly, as strictly as you would things that are revealed in the text. So when people make conclusions about a prophecy and they want to tell me that it represents the number on a school bus they saw in Jerusalem, I'm a little skeptical, but I'm more sure of applying prophecies when the Bible says this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel or this is what all the prophets spoke to up from Samuel onward. Now I'm more confident in making the application. And I'm that way about this Bible code. Since I don't have any Bible reference to many of these things, I, I'm going to accept it, look at it, and, and learn from it, but I'm going to be careful about making a dogmatic doctrine, as it were, about that thing. That'd be my general attitude, at least so far. I can be educated. It's tough. You know the old saying about Germans. You can always tell a German. You just can't tell them much. So that may be me a little bit, but I, I just that's where my skepticism, skepticism comes from. I appreciate your call, Ken, very much, and we'll probably continue this some, another time. And thank you, John, for the text. Okay. Uh, uh, Jerry, are you on the phone there? What's going on? 
morning, Joey. Uh, I was wondering about uh, during the uh, Second World War, there was a, a medium or medium, however the war was pronounced. Uh, I could see in the old fruit for his last name was uh, Kesu or, or Kesuk. Uh, I know the, uh, the uh, governor of Ohio, his name was uh, Kesuk, but I'm not sure the pond. I think his first name was William, and uh, he was from Kentucky, and he would not accept any... Uh, any money from anybody for going into one of these uh, uh, things, whatever they called it, where we, were going, where we could uh, see their loved ones, uh, you know, uh, overseas uh, and whether or not were alive, you know. And uh, I understand he had a, he had a position with the uh, with a, uh, a White House, where he was actually part of the White House. I wonder if you could confirm that. And... Uh, or uh, knowledge of this uh, medium or medium, however the words pronounced, uh, uh, Casey or Krasik. And I just wonder what who might know about that. And I'd like to listen off our mic if that'll be okay. Yes, that's fine, um, uh, Jerry. I, you know, I, the fellow's name is Edgar Case, Casey, C A Y C E. I believe, I believe that's who you're talking about. And um, I don't know much about about him uh, in that sense, but let me look something up here. I'm trying to uh, remember. I'm trying to rack my brain here and see if I can look up, uh, remember what I know about it. I, I, he's always put in the same by some people in the category of uh, what Gene Dixon. And some yeah, say he's like Nostradamus. Yeah. He, he he was um, he was born in 1877, lived in 1945, and so forth. And so um, these are the he, he would go into a trance, I believe. What are they saying here? Oh, uh, he would answer questions on a variety of subjects. Chris according to Wikipedia, I just now looked it up: uh, healing, reincarnation, dreams, the afterlife, and some future events and called so he, sleeping he, prophet or yes something. i think that's what they called him and so what ha, what he believed was that all human life is connected in a spiritual realm all life is connected and so that there's this unbounded in well of information when you're asleep or semi-conscious that you can tap into and you can channel into these various things and so um he really is the founder without meaning to be of the new age movement today that you read about this idea of of reincarnation modern types of information about reincarnation connecting with the afterlife and so forth this is the this is his um what's known about him now jerry i got to tell you up, I know you're not there to respond, so I hate that because I'm not trying to um, I'm not trying to just to throw cold water on something. But I have very just like about Gematria a little bit. <laughs> I've, I've even way less way less confidence in people predicting the future from their dreams and so forth. And if Mike has less confidence, I have even less. I, I just don't so. believe the Bible teaches that. And so 
Um, well, he he began he became kind of famous in World War II for he 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 would try to channel the soldiers that had been killed in the war back to their relatives. He would try to get information about them and this kind of stuff. And um, so, so that that became a real problem. But yet he did a lot of this. Now, now the Bible says in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 18, and, and let me look this up, that um, if, if you, if a person makes a prophecy and it doesn't come true, uh, then, I think it's eighteen, eighteen. Yes, then you can know that that prophet is not speaking from the Lord. It doesn't say that nothing that anybody ever says is going to be from the Lord, but um, or that nothing everybody ever says is going to come could, true. Could come you know, correct. Basically, it's, there are some people who have a fair ability to see the circumstances and understand their outcomes. Yeah, some people are better at looking and, and seeing. That's who that's who makes money on Wall Street. You know, that's who makes money doing a lot of things. People that can kind of say, well, I'll, I think this is a great trend here and I'm going to follow this trend. And yet when you go back and read these futurists, they call them today, like Edgar Casey would be considered somewhat of a futurist, although he believed in the more of a spiritual aspect of this. You see that they're wrong more than they're right. But the Bible says the prophet who presumes this is Deut Deuteronomy 18. Uh, 20, the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has, not, has spoken it presumptuously or on his own. You shall not be afraid of him. So God's very clear here. Now, of course, the out for these people say, well, Casey's not speak, claiming to speak in the name of God. Well, he's claiming to speak under some authority, some spiritual, supernatural authority. If he can talk to the dead, he's claiming supernatural abilities of some sort, however you want to define them. And when he makes predictions about the future, sure, they could, some of them could come true. I can predict a lot of things. And, and, and if you go back and my wife was always smiling because I said, well, you know, haven't I been saying that for 40 years? Yeah, now it's coming true. Some of the things are definitely and they have been. So but that does that make me a prophet? No, I got those ideas from the Bible or from just putting two. And then see, it's convenient to forget all the things that you thought were going to be the problem. I predicted, for example, in the 70s, Gary, that Christians would be persecuted in the United States because of the feminist movement, that churches would begin to be persecuted because of women preachers and preachers and things like that. Uh, I was sort of correct about that, but sort of incorrect about that. I did not count on the fact that we that by night by the year 2020, homosexuality would become the dominant force in the United States, and and transsexualism even worse, and we'd be persecuted. I, I couldn't foresee that at all. That seemed completely, totally preposterous that that would ever happen. So it never would occur to me for that. But but God says here, don't be afraid of these people who speak uh, presumptuously 
when they when their prophecies don't come true. So all you got to do is look at the prophecies of here in this case. And you'll be able to see whether they come true or not. There's a lot of criticism uh, stated about his his work. And while there were some affidavits and testimonies and things like that, there's apparently no real scientific or organized effort to figure out whether anything he said actually was came to came to pass the way he talked about, at least in the literature that I'm reading. Yes, I, and that's a problem. I don't think they began to re, he began to record these till in the mid twenties, and he was already older by then, and so some of the stuff is only anecdotal. But um, J, I would say to Jerry fundamentally, without without me, I, and I, you can tell obviously, I'm no expert on on Edgar Casey. I've read about him before, kind of like Nostradamus. I just would like to warn you, do not put your confidence in these kinds of men. Some people are smart. And like Gary, I think some people have kind of an intuitive sense. They can kind of see how things are going and they can make pretty good predictions. I like to read from people that are intuitive that way and can kind of see which way things are going. But you always have to understand these. I draw the line at saying that's coming from God. Okay, that that's where all of a sudden I'll step off the train. Yeah. When they began to imply that somehow this is a supernatural gift that I've got here, this gift that God's telling me this or the spirit saying this or I expect you I expect you to believe me because I've got this gift. I step off the train real fast because that train's going the wrong direction. Okay, so if you want to read people that that can look and see what how the trends and maybe make some interesting predictions. As long as you're seeing it that way and willing to say, yeah, they were wrong about this and that. And the other thing is that person willing to say, I'm wrong and I'm not divine. I'm just a human being. Okay, uh, that's all fine, well and good. But the problem you have is people have taken uh, Nostradamus, uh, Casey, Gene Dixon, people like that, and tried to make them divine. They try to make them some kind of spiritualist, spiritists, and you see them all up and down. Port St. Lucie Boulevard and all over this area, Jensen Beach, where I live, the spiritists. And I have a big problem with that. God warns me about people that are trying to predict the future by dreams and by tea leaves and by palms and by the stars. He he warns me specifically to not be involved with those people. And I warn you to do the same thing. And, And I have just one question for him. If you can really predict the future, why aren't you rich? Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, basically, Mike, I had the same experience you did back in the early 90s when, or back in the 90s, I forget when it was, that uh, Clinton took off of the banks all of the controls, or many of the controls that were put on the banks after the Depression in terms of lending and investing and so on. And those were taken off so that he could get people into, you know, make it easier for people to, to buy, get loans. And, and I told Sharon at the time, I said, this is going to end up in an economic bust. Yeah, real badly. You're right. Yeah. And sure enough, in 2008, it ended up in an economic bust with a lot of banks in trouble and savings and loans in trouble and so on. Yeah. Even, now, I, even I could predict super inflation 
two when, years ago and they began to pass out trillions of dollars, dollars. no strings attached. Or, any any fool can predict massive inflation. Or up. high gas prices when you start limiting the production of oil. Anybody can predict those things. So you, you know, know, so you know. so Mike and I are psychics We're, because we can predict those things. Now, yeah. Now here here's the thing. Uh, by the way, two things. First of all. Uh, John texts in this passage, which I was looking for, and I appreciate it, John. Jeremiah 27, 9, at least one, there's one of many passages like this. Therefore, it says, do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your soothsayers, your sorcerers, who speak to you saying you shall not serve the king of Babylon. So he's telling him all these kind of prophets like that existed back then, soothsayers, dreamers, uh, diviners, you know, that's where the people that take the tea leaves and tarot cards, that's a diviner, and all that. Don't listen to them. I'm telling you my prophet's saying this, and your prophet's saying that. So that's a that's an important verse. There's many others like that. Now, my wife texted in, and, and I think she's probably right if I can re remember everything that was said. She says that, uh, and the biggest shock is my wife is actually listening to the show, so i got to be <laughs> careful here. That That's real information. But the question may have been more about the communication with the dead. And and I think trying to remember the call exactly, that's that's probably correct. Well, if my wife said it, I can predict that it was correct. How's that? <laughs> I'll be a prophet. If she said it, it was I predict that it was correct. So now the question is, can John Wayne Gacy or John Wayne Gacy? Oh, that's another whole that's another whole can of worms, right? Um, can Edgar Case Casey, can he communicate with these dead soldiers, communicate with the dead? And I, I believe the Bible's answer to that is unequivocally no. Now, there's two places I would take you quickly to talk about communicating with the dead. And trust me, humans, since the beginning of human history, have wanted to communicate, have wanted to communicate with the dead ones that they love. That's what makes us different than animals is we remember people that have died and we mourn them and we want to communicate with them. And um, as a part of this, I, 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 of course, I have to deal with people all throughout my life as a minister who are dealing with grief. And I've dealt with grief myself personally on many occasions. So it's not something, it's just an academic thing for me. It's personal. But I try to remind myself as well as those who experiencing grief, especially the well, those that are Christians, is that your your loved one is certainly gone. And I tell them very plainly, you cannot communicate with them and they will not be able to communicate with you. According to the Bible, they will not be able to communicate with you. And that'll be okay. It's no different than in uh, 1900 when you went on a long trip across the United States. It was very difficult, if not impossible, to communicate with the people that left. In the 1800s, when you went on a when you came to the United States from Europe, you didn't have any communication with your relatives back in Europe. It didn't mean that those relatives didn't exist anymore. It didn't mean that they were actually gone. It just means that you couldn't communicate with them. And this is what happens at death to believers. We are in a position where we cannot communicate across the great gulf that Jesus mentions in Luke 16. But that doesn't mean that our relatives and people just go out of existence or are not there. And the promise of the gospel, the exquisite promise of the gospel, one of them is that you'll be together again. The relationships will be changed. 
but the joy will be even greater when you're together with them again on the other side if you're a Christian or a believer. The unbelievers have no such promise as that, but that's another whole subject. So first of all, Jesus says in, in Luke 16, in, in talking in the story he told of the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man wanted Lazarus to go back from the dead and talk to his brothers. And Abraham tells him, you can't, can't go back, can't send him back, can't communicate with your brothers. What does he say to him? They have the law of the prophets. Let them hear them. If you want to, if you want to hear a message from the other side, then look at the Bible. That's how I interpret that, Gary. Well, there's also, if you want to read a message from the other side, look at the Bible. Okay. Ecclesiastes 9, beginning in verse 5, for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also, their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Never more will they have a share in anything done under the sun. Yes. So whatever's under the sun, your, your, your grandmother's not looking down on you playing Little League Baseball. I hate to tell you that. I mean, I know that may be comforting somewhat, but I just have to tell you from a personal standpoint, uh, my very close, I've mentioned this before, I'll say it again. Uh, I would not, my mother and I were very, very close. We talked all the time from the time I was a ch- very small child. I wouldn't bring her back to this earth even if I could. She doesn't need to see things going on in this earth. She's fine where she is in the hands of God. I'll see her again. And I don't like that, but I can have peace with that and comfort in that. And I don't have to tell her about all my struggles today and so forth that she might see things that are happening to me and her children and grandchildren, other people. Or the she, moral decay she, in the she world. She doesn't need to see any of that. She's fine. Uh, and so uh, that's where I, I think the Bible is clear that the dead have no place in this world that we live in. Now, th- let me yeah. just go a couple of steps further. Than well, that. let's a little transparency. We probably ought to go to First Samuel twenty-eight. Well, that's what I, that was, yeah. that was the place I'm going, where 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 uh, Saul called up the witch okay. of Endor. Second well, Samuel actually called up Samuel. The witch. Sa- I'm sorry, the witch. I said it wrong. The witch of Endor, or divi- diviner or soothsayer, necromancer is a better word than witch. Uh, called up. And Saul had to disguise himself because it was illegal to do that in 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 Israel at the time. Yes, um, and I think it surprised her. I think this was an well, act of God. She was it, probably the most surprised person in the room, right? To tell you the truth, um, where it's second First Samuel twenty-eight. I think it begins around verse nine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It says. Uh, Saul disguised himself. This is in Second Samuel 28. Verse 8. Put on other raiment and went in and two men with him and they came to the woman by night and he said, pray, I pray, I pray thee divine unto me. Here's that word, divination. Divine unto me by the familiar spirit and bring him up whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said to him, behold, thou knowest what Saul has done, how he has cut off those who have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? And so she, he says, Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, as the Lord liveth, there shall be no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Wow. Now, there's a case of using the name's Lord, Lord's name in vain. 
and uh, whom shall I bring up? And he says, bring up Samuel. When the, and when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. <laughs> and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, why is you, have you deceived me? For thou art Saul. Okay, so what happened there, <laughs> when the woman actually saw the spirit of Samuel, she was so frightened and alarmed that she screamed. And then she instantly knew that, that was it was Saul. real and that that was Saul sitting there because of the way Samuel looked and reacted. She she knew that it was all something she had not planned for at all. So this is a fake witch, as it were, fake diviner. That suddenly it worked. <laughs> suddenly it worked in this case. So this is not proof that we can go to a diviner and talk to the dead. This this case shows when you read it carefully that this thing did kind of thing did not happen. And and even if it could happen, God said, don't do it. See, that's the big that's the most important part. Even if it could happen, God said, don't do it. And so don't do it, even if it can. And I don't believe that it can happen because of what Jesus said and Luke 16 and with the books, the verses you read in Ecclesiastes. So, no, I, I don't believe that Edgar Case can talk to dead soldiers. I don't believe that happens today. So so what is it? We've got a couple minutes left, Gary, but what what is it? Because I've met lots of people that say, well, such and such. I had one woman who I, who I love very much, and she lost her mother, and she said, my, my mother appeared to me at the end of my bed one night recently and stood at the foot of my bed and talked to me, and I talked to her. She was still grieving her mother and all this kind of thing. And, I, and, and she wanted to know what I thought about that. And I told her, I said, I don't think that was your mother. I said, I think it's what you remember from your mother. I think, I think in your heart and mind, your mother is still alive because she is still alive. And you talk to her in a semi state of semi-sleep like Edgar Casey. And so forth. But I do not believe that that is from God. I don't believe you can talk to people on the other side. And even if you can, I don't think you should. And the, the news that Saul got wasn't all that. No, good. it wasn't good. He says, and so Samuel said to Saul, tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. Yeah, you're going to come see me sooner than you thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yes, there's a joke about that. Yeah, about the come back and talk to me. If you if you get on the other side, promise you'll come back and see me. And so. The guy goes to sleep, has a dream, and there his buddy appears in the dream. Oh, you came back. Yeah, I can't believe there is there is life on the other side. He said, yeah, I got good news and bad news. The good news is, yeah, there's life on the other side. The bad news is we have a tea time together tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's the that's the bad. The same thing as Saul. We got a couple minutes left, Gary. So uh, I, I just want to I want to warn those who are listening. D don't fall prey to this new age thing. L read what the Bible says. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man, not to try to communicate onto the other side in the other world. If you're if you're looking for that, what Mike just said, that's the last verse of Ecclesiastes. Yes. By the way, John, just see the Oracle of, of Delphi uh, and uh, Delphi. You know what they found recently, Gary? I got, we got time left. The Oracle of Delphi was in this cave and cracks in the rock, and they found out that because of earthquakes, this this would produce a certain kind of gas from the crack in the earth and cause hallucinations, a change in a voice and hallucinations. And so that's what they think these oracles were, were, was people breathing a poisonous gas that changed their voice like helium and made them have hallucinations. And it's not as strong as it used to be. And that's why the Oracle of Delphi uh, kind of petered out. Well, our time is gone today. We really appreciate all the people 
who have texted and called in today and those who interacted. I, I really thank you for that. I want to invite you to take a look at our website, which is wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com. I'd like to invite you to uh, come and visit us. We meet at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard, the corner of California and Savona on the southwest side behind the shopping center. Come see us this morning at 10 and then 11 for our regular worship, 7.30 on Wednesday night. We'd be glad to have you. Not going to ask you for money. You'll just find people that want to serve the Lord and read the scriptures. Thanks a lot for tuning in. May God bless you. You've been listening to We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church on WPSL Port St. Lucie.